Christ-like disciples. We have looked at this passage of Scripture in John's Gospel for a number of weeks now, and we're going to continue to look at this passage of Scripture. Because in this passage of Scripture, Jesus, and we talked about red-letter words last week, Jesus gives to us what is necessary for us to understand what it means to be a Christ-like disciple. I want to read the passage, starting with verse 1 down through verse 17, just to remind us of what Christ said. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. The truth in this passage is that Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. And Jesus says on a number of occasions here, for without me you can do nothing. If branches are not attached to the vine, connected to the vine, they're of no use. In fact, the passage says that they're taken and cast into the fire because they bear no fruit. And so we have to understand something about connectedness. Success or failure in our lives is dependent upon our connectedness with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, we have looked at this passage into Christ-likeness. And there are four qualities that Jesus gives to us. And let me just remind you of them. First one is that we love one another. Jesus says, this is my commandment. Circle that word in your Bibles, please. Verse 12, my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. The second quality is that we invest in fruit. That we bear fruit. 
that we bear much fruit. In this is the Father glorified. The third quality is that we keep his commandments. He says, you're my friends. My friends, if you do whatever I, I command you, and you're no longer my servants, you're my friends. And lastly, we recognize that Christ's likeness, connectedness is exclusive. Not connected to a Bible teacher, not connected to a religious system, connected to the Lord Jesus Christ who is the vine. It's exclusive. So shall we be his disciples. Now last week we talked about loving one another. And we dissected this passage of scripture and discovered that it was his commandment. And we looked across the page into John chapter 13 and discovered that it was a new commandment. And that new commandment was not an addition to all the other commandments, but it was a commandment that he had given to us so that we might reflect who he is. Loving the Lord our God with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our mind. Loving our neighbors ourselves. We talked about that. Greatest commandment. And those two commandments wrap up the ten. But I don't know about you, but I get confused. And so Jesus boiled it all down and he said, this is my commandment that you love one another. And by this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you love one another. That's what it's all about. This morning, we are going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Will you turn there, please? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 is the great love chapter. It's a chapter that many times is used at weddings. It's a chapter many times that we look at if we are going to understand what love is all about. But it's a chapter, I think, that sometimes is misunderstood. 1 Corinthians was written by Paul. And it's important for us to understand who Paul was. Jesus gave to his disciples the Great Commission. And he said, go into all the world and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Before he went to glory, he said, all power is given unto me in heaven and earth, and you will be witnesses of that power in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, unto the uttermost parts of the world. And you know what happened? The disciples started to minister. And you know where they ministered? Jerusalem. They stayed in Jerusalem. They were comfortable in Jerusalem. They didn't want to leave Jerusalem. And as you get to Acts chapter 6, you find out that the disciples are multiplying in Jerusalem. Now, that's not a bad deal. But Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. Witnesses in, Ju in Jerusalem, Judea, they hadn't gone to Judea and Samaria and the uttermost parts. They weren't going there. They were in Jerusalem. And so God does something to shake them up a bit. God sends persecution. And God sends persecution 
at the hand of a guy named Saul, Paul of Tarsus. He was at Stephen's stoning, and now he goes and he is ready to persecute people of this new way. He's putting them in jail. He's killing them. He's a murdering thug. He's extorting them. 1 Timothy chapter 1 says that Paul was a blasphemer. That Paul was a persecutor. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, the NIV says that he was violent. I I want you to understand, this is Paul. And one day, he's on the road to persecute Christians. And it's outlined for us in Acts chapter 9. And all of a sudden, he's confronted by the Lord. And he says, Lord, who are you? And Jesus identifies himself to Paul. Now, we know that that happened because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Paul says, I was one who saw the Lord. And I want you to understand that Paul did a 180. He went from being a persecutor to a preacher. He went from being a blasphemer to being a believer. He went from being violent against the people of God to voicing the wonder of God. And you know what made the difference? He got connected to Jesus. You understand that this morning? Connectedness to Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. Now, it's easy to identify because of what Paul was. But you know, in all of our lives, connectedness to Jesus makes all the difference. And none of us can love the way we're supposed to love unless we are intimately connected to Jesus. Because Jesus says, I want you to love like I did. And the only way to know like what he did was stay connected to me. Now this changes Paul. And I I think it interesting, and this is just the way my mind works, None of the disciples wanted to leave Jerusalem, so God said, okay, you guys stay put. I'm going to get somebody else to go do the job. And Paul then becomes the missionary, right? Acts chapter 13, set aside for us Paul and Barnabas, and he goes into all the world. And one of the places he goes is Corinth. Now, Corinth was not a spiritual place. In fact, if you you look at Corinth, you understand pretty quickly that in Corinth, they were impatient with each other, they sued one another, they tolerated sin in the church, they created all kinds of problems. And so, Paul is correcting all of this stuff. And he gets to chapter 12. And he says, the reason I'm correcting this is because you're part of the body of Christ. 
and you ought to be serving and sharing with one another. You ought to be using what God has given you within the body to build up the body and to make it better and to make a difference in somebody's life. And even though the body has a whole bunch of parts, every part is necessary. Aren't you thankful for our church body? I am. We have a great church body. But you know, sometimes the body doesn't function the way it's supposed to. Why? Because there are parts that aren't doing what they're supposed to do. We live in a day and age in which churches in many cases are trying to do more with less. If you will look at the proposed 2019 budget, you will see that in many areas we're trying to do more with less. And, and resources are an issue, right? Whether it's dollars or whether it's tools or whether it's opportunities, they're an issue. But let me say this. The greatest resource we have here at Calvary is the body of Christ. The greatest resource we have are you and me serving together. The greatest resource we have is fulfilling what God has called each of us to do for his honor and his glory. And if you take any of you out of the equation, we lose resources. First Corinthians 12 is body connectedness and body connectedness to Christ. If you don't believe me, look at verse 12 of chapter 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Underline that in your minds. Underline it in your Bibles. This is a reflection of our connectedness to Jesus Christ. Now, may I just wonder a little bit with you? I wonder if we're not as connected to each other as we should be, is it perhaps that we're not as connected to Christ as we should be? I wonder. I wonder if we are not fulfilling the function that Christ has given to us in this body as we should be. Does that mean we're not as connected to Christ as we should be? I just wonder. I'm just thinking out loud. I wonder. 
we remove ourselves from this body? Is it because we're not as connected as closely to Christ as we should be? <laughs> Just thinking out loud. Good morning. So chapter 12 talks all about the body, talks all about service, talks all about spiritual gifts. Talks all about being connected and showing that connectedness as we minister and share and make a difference within the body. And Paul says there shouldn't be any division in the body, but the members are to have care one for another. That's verse 25 if you're taking notes. Now what's that mean? Jump down to the last verse, will you please? Verse 30 of chapter 12, where Paul talks about all of this, and he's talking about spiritual gifts. And he says, not everybody's going to be an apostle, not everybody's going to be a prophet, not everybody's going to be a teacher or do miracles or healing or, or tongues or interpret. Verse 31, but desire the higher gifts. Well, what's that, Paul? Paul says, I'm going to show you a better way to do it. You know, this gift thing gets complicated, doesn't it? I won't ask for a show of hands, but how many of you know what your spiritual gift is? Okay, some of you do. How many of you are using that spiritual gift within the body? Paul says, I want to uncomplicate it for you. I'm going to show you a better way. And then he moves into chapter 13. Now, someone has outlined 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this way. Love is quality into service. Love is maturity into character. And love is eternity into life. We're not going to use that outline, but I just wanted you to have it. Because as you talk about quality and maturity and eternity, it's all packaged together in one word, and that's love. And now Paul's going to work his way through this. Now, as Greek students, you are well aware that there are at least four words in the Greek that talk about love. There's eros. That's translated love. And eros love is a passionate love. There's phileo. Phileo is a friendship kind of love, a brotherly kind of love. There's storge, and, and storge is an affection. It's kind of love that parents have for kids. And then there's agape, and agape is a selfless love. Agape is the kind of love that Paul describes here in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, if you have a King James Bible, the word that you have in your Bible is charity. And back in the 1600s, charity meant that you were giving something to someone. And it was a sacrifice for you to do that. We now understand that to be agape or a giving kind of love. So those who have given to us newer translations than the original King James translate it love. 
Now I want to very quickly work our way through this chapter. We're not going to look at it in a lot of detail. We're going to leave a lot of stuff out. But I think it's important that we understand what Paul, who saw Jesus Christ, whose life was changed because he was connected to Christ, what Paul gives to us so that we can understand love. Look with me at the first three verses. If I speak in the tongue of men and of angels and have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Now, did you notice the personal pronoun I? Nine times in those three verses. And what Paul is saying, if we look at ourselves, and if it's only about us, we're nothing. It does not matter. Now, Paul outlines some good stuff, right? Speaking with the tongue of men and of angels. But he says, if I have not love, I'm simply a gonging symbol. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I didn't hit it too hard, did I, Matt? Now, I don't know about you, but as I watched your expression, it woke some of you up. That's a good thing. I may do this after every point. But in a lot of ways, that was kind of irritating, wasn't it? And the reality is, the gong is gone. The clang has stopped. And you can speak all you want. You can talk all you want. You can do a selfie all you want. But the reality is, when it's look at me and when it's listen to my talk, it's nothing. And then, Paul says, prophetic powers, mysteries, knowledge, all faith that I could remove mountains. Boy, wouldn't that be great to have? Faith of a grain of mustard seed and say to this mountain, be cast in the sea. Gone. Boy, I'd like to do that. If you don't have love, it's nothing. And the reality is, if it's only about what I think, with knowledge and prophecies and faith, and it's only about me, it's nothing. And then he says this, if I give all of my goods away, and if you have a King James, it says to feed the poor. Or if I sacrifice my body, give it, man. I regularly pray for the persecuted church. Trust you do. And whenever there is a public report of Christians who give their lives 
because they will not deny Christ, I ask myself this question, would I do that? Now, I'd like to think I would, but until I'm there, I'm not sure. But even if I did, and I gave my body to be burned and have not love, zero, goose egg, nothing. And so if it becomes all about me, I'm in big time trouble. Why? Because you remember vine branches, connectedness. It's not about us, it's about Him. And that's what makes the difference. So Paul goes ahead now and helps us understand an outline about what love is. And he helps us recognize the operation of real love. Look with me at verses 4, 5, and 6. Now, there are 11 truths that are here. Three are positive, eight are negative. We're going to quickly look at each one of them. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast, is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. Eleven characteristics of love. And this is not a smorgasbord where we can pick out what we want. Violating any one of these characteristics discounts love. Okay? You got that? It's not, I can be a little resentful because I deserve it. When you're a little resentful, it's not love, period. So let's, let's look at it. Love is patient. Patience is an interesting word. Long-tempered, long-suffering. Love is kind. Someone said, patience will take anything, kindness will give in everything. Those are positive things. Sometimes I think only doctors have real patience. <laughs> Some of you will get that as you're walking out the door, as you're driving to McDonald's and hanging in the east. But the scripture says those who are loving are patient and kind. And now we move very quickly into the eight negatives that Paul gives to us. Love does not envy. It's not jealous. Love does not boast. It doesn't brag or pride it, parade itself or bring attention to itself. Love is not arrogant, swelled with pride. I'm glad nobody talked about Michigan's win yesterday and Ohio State's loss. That would not have been loving. Love is not rude. Love does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable. It's not resentful. 
it does not rejoice in wrongdoing. You see it? Love is patient, love is kind. Those are positive things. And yet, love doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, not it. If any of those areas are part of your life, you're disqualified as loving. And you know, Paul does not give us any excuses. He doesn't say, love does not envy unless you don't get what you want. Love doesn't, doesn't boast unless you got something to boast about. Can you work your way through that and understand that? And then the last positive is this. Love rejoices in the truth. So we have patient, kind, truth. Now I want you to underline truth. Because love is not letting everybody get away with what they want to get away with. We'll talk about it a little bit later. But love is speaking the truth. Without envy, boasting, arrogant, rude. Love is speaking the truth and being patient and kind. How you doing? As you look at this outline of love. Are you loving? Remember what Jesus said. This is my commandment. My commandment. That you love one another. Remember what Jesus said. Red letter stuff, right? A new commandment I give to you. That you have love one for another. And that's how people will know that you're my disciple. This is so unusual. That when we do it. People take notice. It's critical, folks. We want to let our light shine. We want to be salt in the earth. We can't do it without love. Because that's the way God designed it. So important. Verse 7. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. How many times did Paul use the expression all things? Anybody want to guess? All right, four. All right, got it? Can you define all? You've heard me define it. All means all, that's all. All things. And the victory that we have in love involves all things in our lives. And I want you to attach verse 7 with the first part of verse 8. Love never fails. Love puts up with all things, 
Love never, never ends. It never, never fails. And then Paul starts to describe a few things that could be considered important. Prophecies. You see that? They'll pass away. Tongues. They'll cease. Knowledge. It will pass away. You know, those are good things. Now, prophecies could be either foretelling, which is preaching, or foretelling what God is going to do. The revelation of Jesus Christ, last book in your Bible, is a foretelling. It looks toward the future. John identifies what God is going to do. That's foretelling. Preach the word. That's foretelling. But as good as those things are, it's important for us to understand that they're going to cease, they're going to stop, they're going to be gone. What's that tell you? Does the word temporary come to mind? <laughs> what is permanent? Love. I mean, get on all right with preaching or prophecy, with tongues, with, with, with knowledge. You get it all right, but one day it's going to be gone. Now, Paul works down through this, and he talks about seeing in a glass darkly. He talks about when I was a child, I spoke as a child. When I became a man, I put away childish things. And there's some different interpretations to that passage. We're not going to get into it, but I'm going to give them to you this morning very quickly. One interpretation is when we get to glory, everything's going to change. The other interpretation is that when the canon of Scripture was given to us, God's inspired word, it all changed, and those other things weren't necessary. Now, wherever you fall in that, the reality is it's temporary. And we need to just grow up. Because in love, love is everything, and everything ends in love. Verse 13, very quickly. So now faith hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is, say it with me, love. Faith, hope, and love. You understand that love is the basis for your faith and your hope? And you recognize that love is the greatest. Not even faith, not even hope. That's what Paul says. Now, what do we do with all of this? May I very quickly give you four challenges that will help you in your love? All right? Love looks for opportunities to serve. If you really love, you're going to be looking for a way that you can invest in the body of Christ. Galatians chapter 5, again written by Paul, says, in love, serve one another. Now that may be publicly, that may be privately, but you cannot love on an island. Love looks for opportunities. Love 
overlooks faults. Peter says that love covers a multitude of sins. You know, there are some things that just aren't worth it. <laughs> love overlooks faults. But love voices concerns. Paul says that we speak the truth in love. Remember we talked about the truth as part of love? Love voices concerns, but those concerns are voiced with love. And love examines our own motives and our own hearts. Remember what Jesus said as he talked about the log and the speck? He said, how come you try to take a speck out of somebody else's eye when you got love log in your own eye? <laughs> Remember that? That's, that's, that's love. And so we have here what it looks like, back Brenda please, what it looks like for us to live out love. This is your take-home truths. Everybody got it? Because Christ-likeness is connectedness where we are to love one another. That's the first quality that Jesus gave us in John chapter 15. This is our connectedness. And it was Jesus who helped us understand that we are his disciples like he has loved us how we are to love. And it's all about Recognizing our connectedness. Christ-like disciples. Vine branches connected. My commandment. New commandment. Here it is, folks. You want to be connected? Love one another. As he. Loved us. And the reality is, each of us have experienced the love of God in our lives. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that God loves us unconditionally? Aren't you thankful that God loves us just like we are? Now, God doesn't want to stay just like we are. You understand that too, don't you? He loves us just like we are, but he wants us to grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. That's our assignment, progressive sanctification. But he's given us his command. We are God's people, chosen of the Lord. Amen? And it is our responsibility. To love as he Next week, we're going to look at the second quality. We spent a couple of weeks on love. We're going to talk about investing in fruit. We're going to look at Matthew 13. We're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. 
Matthew 13 is the seed, a sower and a seed, and, and uh, Galatians chapter 5 is the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, what is the first evidence of the fruit of the Spirit? Love. See how that connects? It's not by accident or coincidence. But investing in fruit that flows from. 